what? I maybe it's just me not knowing words. <laughs> I am a known culprit for not knowing what words mean. Mm. Yeah, you're on that big list in the post office. <laughs> Wanted. It's the Doom to Fail podcast. My name is Tim Dobbs, and with me, as ever, is Catherine Coger. And Catherine, I told you I could hold my breath for three months, so there. <laughs> you did it. You you win the one ten thousand dollars. Yes, that's right. The one ten thousand dollars. <laughs> we just had the one. Here it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a quantity one of a bundle of ten thousand dollars. That's good. I really, I really didn't like ambiguity. Amb- ambiguity of you won ten thousand dollars. Which ten thousand dollars? Right. Yeah. yeah. No, it's quantity one of ten thousand dollars. <laughs> there was a null in the box for how many ten thousands? <laughs> exactly. And um, we're nothing if not specific in our prize money over stupid bets that we make. Yeah, you, we're running a good a good show over here. Um, so speaking a good, of shows, clean family show. Yeah. Yes, Tim. Uh, we're uh, we're sorry we haven't gotten back to you in a little while. I was holding my breath, obviously, and uh, we're back now, and uh, we're ready to tackle some topics. So, Catherine, do you know what our topic is this week? I do know what our topic is this week. I enjoyed your alliteration right there, and I think you should know that about yourself. I'm good. I'm going to put that in my dream journal. Oh, no, my aspiration journal. Oh, all these journals everywhere. I get so confused. you got a whole library of journals. I've considered having a journal journal, like one where I write down like where I put the journals today. But I don't know. Sometimes I worry it would be a little dry. You know, future generations are going to um, read these. Yeah, so we're talking about airline seats. Airline seats. Yeah, uh, that's th- right. Yeah. What uh some what, say what? some said that we couldn't that we weren't ready for it. We couldn't breach the controversial topic of airline seats, but we're here and we're ready and we're here to say to all the haters out there, airline seats. We're talking about them. What do you think about that? Yeah, you tell them, sister. Sing it. Uh I mean no air, airline I, seats. I can't sing. Airline, no, not at all. Not really. No. I'm sure you could sing a little. I don't I don't care to. Come on, give me a little. Come on. Just nope, just, just a nope. taste. No, stop, stop. All right, that's good. Um, so, no, air, airline seats are fundamentally uh, an aspect of the class war, are they not? It's, it's one of the few places where we still accept very clearly these are the rich people and these are the poor people. Don't you think? The yeah, seats are much so better. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was thinking. Thinking like in what other instances do we actually outwardly use the word class to indicate something that costs more than something else? Uh, well, so we used to do it for the postal service, right? First class mail, but there is no second class sure. mail. Um, I don't no. know what happened to it, but it's gone. Well, there's no second class seats. That's true. There's coach seats, but there are also coach. first class. But in, in mailing, uh, first class mail. <laughs> I just wanted to tell you all about mailing, so if you could sit back for a minute. Um, all right, I'm here. No, first class mail is the worst mail. Like, I don't know if it's just a branding thing or what's going on there, but that's... It's a branding thing. Yeah, you think so? You think it used to be just like junk mail? And then they were like, well, mm-hmm. junk mail kind of got co-opted by junk mail, so we got to call it mm-hmm. something else. <laughs> yeah, I imagine something like maybe maybe when they invented cars, they invented first class mail to go along with it <laughs> or something. 
Like, what do you mean? Like, maybe it wasn't a function of, like, the distance it could go. Like, there's a, there's a million potential explanations, but I'm going to make one up right now. But, uh, like, at some point they realized, oh, we can go farther than we ever have before because of transportation technology or cost or whatever. Um, so they invented first-class mail. And uh, since then, it's become – what am I trying to say here? It's become not defunct, but um, irrelevant. Yeah, irrelevant. There you go. That's exactly the right Thank word. You. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. Let's go with it. I think that's probably almost definitely it. Now, okay, so basically what you're saying is first-class mail is first-class because it beats the Pony Express. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the makeup thing that I made up just now. Makeup? The makeup thing. Oh. <laughs> I just made up a thing. Oh, I thought there was like a thing with a blush thing. or foundation. Um. No, no. I'm, it doesn't have a foundation. That's what makes it a oh, makeup yeah, foundationless. Thing. Yeah, it's it's all accent, no no base. That's <laughs> exactly. Megan Trainer's new song. <laughs> I'm all about those fine touches. Fine touches. No, all right. <laughs> I'm into it. No, I'm into it. Keep going. No, that's fine. I sang, you sang. I think we're even here. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, I, you know, the only other places I can think of where you have a first class and a second class are like some specific train rides you know like trains in europe do it um but not mm. all of them uh some trains in america do it but not most uh what else i don't know when you're uh, presumably crossing the titanic um <laughs> yeah I mean, but these are all um seats on transportation or yeah. um where you stay while you go from one place to another mm-hmm well, how about this? So, so, so I, I, I could see it as a uh, mark of hospitality, right? It's the hospitality industry using good branding and also allowing for, um, you know, their logistics to work out wherein they can uh, uh, be, what, what's the word, uh, when you're price sensitive or something like that? Um, oh, I'm forgetting it. But, you know, there's this concept in economics where uh, you allow people to buy at the maximum price they would ever pay. So, like, you and I would probably never be able to afford a first-class seat on a transatlantic flight, mm -hmm. but, yeah, you know, they give worse service that way. So, so you know, um, it, it just so, works out economically. F you, consumers, basically, is what I'm getting from what you're saying to me. Uh, no, I mean, you, you strike a deal, right? It's just like, listen, you go on to get across the country, um, and we want to offer that to you, but we want to offer different tiers of service so that we can... Uh, give you your maximum uh, case, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think this is probably not true? Do you think the first class seating prices offsets the cost of travel for the rest of for like the coach passengers? I'm not sure. That's a good question. Uh, it can't significantly well, no, offset but it. Uh, right? It depends on like whether what? or not you've ever tried to buy a first class seat. It's very pricey. Um, no, it's like times two at least, but <laughs> often more. Uh, but yeah, but but they also get a lot more service there. I mean, uh, and as we yeah. know, in most uh, in most industries, labor is your most expensive cost. That's true. So just the lady coming around with the uh, with the hot towel. That's you know, there's all your you know hundreds of dollars right there. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> um. I mean, I, I found that first class makes a bigger difference the longer your flight is. Mm -hmm. Oh, sure, because you get less uh, and less comfortable as you as you go. Yeah, right? Like the, the relative comfort of the seats increases like to the point where if you're going like across across the world, 
then you can get like your own little suite basically i mean i'm sure you've seen those they're so cool oh yeah there's like there's um fully reclining seats etc yeah the fully reclining <laughs> seats there's one where you can just like i got to be in this one one time it was really cool <laughs> um where it's basically your own little apartment and you can close the door and mm -hmm. there's like i don't know there's like two TVs or something and you can ring for a service and they give you a menu for like afternoon tea it was on um british airlines but cool. it was really neat how did, you, how did you get on that flight <laughs> uh, it was a birthday present oh that's so nice it was really nice it yeah. yeah where did you go um i went to italy oh right 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 wow i yeah. can't believe that cuz so my my deal i've never flown first class um and uh I have flown on, you know, like whatever, Coach Plus or something like that, where you get the extra legroom, um, mm -hmm. but they still put that barrier in front of you just to create a mental, uh, you know, make it clear that you, you are lesser. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, at a certain point, I realized like, oh, I probably never will fly, fly first class. Like, unless, yeah, unless someone gets it for me, um, you know, one of my wealthier friends, because when you start to look at the prices, there's, you, I could upgrade on a very short flight for a hundred bucks mm -hmm. and I could afford that. Uh, you know, to whatever, fly down to LA from San Francisco. And that would be nice. But, you know, the real value in first class is in something like you're describing, you know, like very far. Yeah. But that is way yeah. out of my price range. Yeah. And I think um, now that I'm really considering the question I posed earlier about first class offsetting the price of coach, I would bet, because this is how I happen to land myself a first class seat on a British Airlines flight, that like 90% of people who fly first class are people who just travel all the time and that's their job yeah no no i mean there's a reason there's a business class right it's that yes. uh you know companies will pay more because they feel like they'll get a return on their uh employees being you know fresh and prim well i mean no i'm saying that they get them because they have the frequent flyer miles yeah and that as well um i think it's probably both though right uh, uh yeah, i'm sure it's a mixture all right well let's let's settle on a mixture um okay okay and, uh, tomato and tomato. Yeah, to, it, it can be both. Tomato. There's no need to call the whole thing off. Let's do this together in a moment when we come <laughs> back on the Doom to Fail podcast. And we're back on the Doom to Fail podcast. Uh, on a very, very short break. Here's a, a fun fact, <laughs> listeners. We're, we're doing this live to tape now. So that break mm -hmm. was the same break as the break you got. And uh, boy, that was short, guys, huh? Don't don't you wish there was just a little longer? You were kind of into that weird song. Um, I, I wish I could listen to Prad Bit a little bit longer. Yeah, well, luckily coming up, there were three segments, which means there are two interstitials because that is how borders work. Um, and uh, <laughs> you'll we'll hear a little bit Great. more. Thank you for the later. explanation, Tim. <laughs> You ever, I don't know, this is something that like has always stuck in my head that I was just like, it. it's non-intuitive. This like, okay, I need six boxes, which means I need five lines in between the boxes. Uh, and this is one of these things that stuck with me when I was like, when I realized it, when I was like in first grade, it's just like, it feels like one of the ways that the world is wrong. You know, it's just like, this is yeah, proof we're yeah. living in a non-perfect world. You know, I have a very similar relationship between that and doing math with hours and minutes. Mm-hmm. It's just one of the ways that the world is wrong, like because it's always one less than you think it is. You can't just do subtract subtraction like you would for any other normal problem. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, I mean, so the, um, wait, what do you mean it's one less than you think it is? Isn't it one less? So if I was going to go from 6 o'clock, 6 a.m. to, let's say, 10 a.m., so that's 7, 8, 9, 10. That's four hours. 6 minus 10 is 4. Okay, I don't understand what I'm talking about now, but for <laughs> no, some reason... No, I know, I know exactly what you mean, though. It, it's, it's, <laughs> it's the difference between the uh, inclusive and the exclusive, right? It's like, do you count the day that you're currently in when you decide how many days are left till Christmas? Who knows? No one knows. Yeah. I have no idea. I have no idea. Yeah. Like, and if you're counting the days till something is over, you just, you don't know. <laughs> and then you're like, just, oh my God, I completely forgot an entire effing day. Makes it I'm all the more psychologically tormenting. Uh, this is, I mean, yeah. So this is, if the world were, if the world were as it should be, uh, you could describe it with, uh, you know, simple, elegant systems instead of having to always say, well, it depends. Huh. But I think it's, it, it's the it depends that gives us um, failures, that gives us kinks, that gives us mutations, that gives us evolution, right? Mm. Yeah, okay, interesting. So you're, you're, you're saying that uh, from chaos breeds order. You know, uh, there's a sort of reverse entropy going on uh, with, uh, I don't know, we... We have enough energy from the nuclear fusion of the sun, let's bring the sun into this, um, that we are able to, uh, all those little trips and ticks and, and uh, it depends is that we flip and turn over every day actually drive us towards a greater, uh, I, I don't know, a greater uh, energy state. Huh? Let's say it, it gives us a fighting chance to be the salmon that makes it, that swims all the way upstream. Good. I was glad this metaphor wouldn't have been complete without salmon. Um, so... <laughs> Hi, I'm from Seattle. We talk about salmon all the time. Yeah, it's exhausting. I just go up there and everyone's like, oh, did you see the salmon? That's, that's a Seattle accent. It's like, no, I didn't see him. Oh, you got to see him. You got to. <laughs> we don't talk like that. Yeah, you do. Of course um, you do. Did I tell you Listen about the time right that I went to the Ballard Locks and saw this giant sea lion? <laughs> no. It was amazing, Tim. It was the coolest thing ever. So I went to the Ballard Locks, mm -hmm. and it was salmon crossing season. So they, or the salmon were coming up the ladder, and you could watch them because they have all sorts of like learning stuff because taxpayer money, I guess. Um, but once you like walked past the salmon ladder, and you were like on the other side, because like I guess the salmon were so tired from co going up the ladder, the sea lion would just like swipe three at a time and eat them all. Oh. And just chow down. It was amazing. <laughs> it was extremely, yeah, it was an extremely uh, violent picture of nature that little tiny kids got to watch. I was like, learn, children, learn from this. <laughs> you know, not, not three seconds ago, we were talking about, we were making a joke about how Seattleites only talk about salmon. <laughs> but here you are telling a story about a very specific place in Seattle about salmon. Uh, well, this is a story about a sea lion. I just want to clarify. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fair enough. You're right. The salmon were ancillary to the story. Could have been any fish. Any fish. Yeah, they had upstream. to trap the sea lion and like move it down the coast, and then it swam back up the coast, and it keeps coming back. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it knows where its bread is buttered, where its fish are caught. Ah, <laughs> uh, sea lions. Yeah. So, so if you were to fly, uh, if, say you like the sea lion were trapped and brought down the coast, and you're like, I gotta get back. There's all this salmon up there. No, no one will talk about salmon with me here in Portland. Um, <laughs> no, I think they took it all the way down to like Southern California or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's not a lot in the way if you go, you know, just by water. 
it's just true. Saying, yeah, not it's a lot a long, of highways it's involved. It's quite a trip, though. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I guess there's just not enough salmon down there in San Diego. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's not really what they're known for. I don't know. Um, that's the biggest problem with the rest of the world, Tim. Not enough salmon. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that, reminds, that's, that feels like one of those, um, you ever see those, like, uh, you know, as New Yorkers see the world posters or something? And it'll just be like, you know, uh, New York, the suburbs, and then, like, basically nothing until you get to, like, Paris or something. Um, <laughs> it reminds me of yeah. that. As Seattle, you know, I do, see the world. I feel like um, as we... As I move to like bigger and bigger places, <laughs> my math gets more and more like that. <laughs> like for me, it's like, okay, nothing until like Portland. <laughs> and like if I move to, let's say, LA, for example, I would be like, all right, nothing until New York. <laughs> like my standards for what constitutes true civilization will just go up and up if I move to larger and larger places. <laughs> Seems fair. I mean, I don't know though, but if you discount anything between Seattle and Portland, we never get Slater Kinney. Just seems wrong. Who's that? Let's not talk about it. Um, <laughs> so I'll say you were flying from one civilization to another, New York to L.A. Um, yes. And if you lived in New York, you would be like, L.A.? No, it's not anywhere. It's, this, this is the other thing. We'll never, we're York never going to talk about actually about the seat. same size. Uh, no, no. New York's much bigger. Um, no, no, no. It, okay. It depends how you do your counting. Let's not get into exactly mm-hmm. which you know region you should count. L.A. is in the <laughs> area of 3 million. It may have gone up a bit since last I looked. New York is in the area of 8 million. Well, um, greater L.A. I mean, that 3 million number does not include like Santa Monica, for don't example. Don't care. Which is don't crazy. care. Oh, my God. <laughs> Fine. Whatever. Okay. Um, I'm sorry I had a conversation with you. I won't dare to try to converse with you ever again. I'm sorry, Tim. Please forgive me. Good. Okay. Well, apology accepted. <laughs> no, like, um, I don't know. No one cares, though, right? Like, I've, I've, I don't know. I used to be, uh, uh, because I like, you know, top 10 lists, like everyone does. I was like, well, what is the biggest city? And it's just like, I don't know. There's big ish cities, and it mostly doesn't matter. It's, but, you know, are you counting the municipal area or are you counting, uh, you know, the metropolitan region, or you do you do it by landmass, or you do it by population, like, eh, whatever. Um, <laughs> I think, I think so the way you can decide which cities are bigger than others, you can only do it comparatively, and you decide which city arbitrarily hates another city, but that feeling is not returned. So, for instance, San Francisco really dislikes L.A. L.A. doesn't care about <laughs> San Francisco. L.A. <laughs> really dislikes New York. New York is like, eh, whatever. <laughs> Um, I don't have any other examples. What's uh, is Portland and Seattle like that? I don't see. know. <laughs> yeah, um, New York really hates Mumbai, but Mumbai doesn't really care about New York. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. <laughs> All right, it breaks down some point. I don't think that's true. <laughs> uh, Boston doesn't like New York. New York hates Boston sports teams, but I don't think they care otherwise. I I don't know. I don't know about anything. All right. Except for airline seats and this crazy experience I had. Well, let's talk about flight. it in a minute when we come back on the Doom to Fail podcast. Ooh, foreshadowing. And we're back on the Doom to Fail podcast. 
Okay, Catherine, you had a crazy experience with airline seats? Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. Let's see what happened to me. Um, okay, so I flew down to, um, where was it? I flew down to Phoenix over the Super Bowl weekend just recently. Sure. Uh, that was not fun for me because I do not like sports. I was, in fact, flying to Phoenix to escape the Super Bowl. Uh-huh. Yes, I know the Super Bowl was in Phoenix. But I was I was visiting my mom in Arizona, okay? So maybe, like, just don't give me a hard time about it because I was visiting my mother and parents are important, right? Right. So it was a pretty um, awful flight, actually, for me. <laughs> um because there was, first of all, there was a lot of chanting. Obviously, there were a lot of Seahawks fans because it was Seattle to Phoenix on Super Bowl weekend. There was a lot of chanting, first of all. There was um, a person kind of in front of me who was really, really, he started every single chant, and he was really into it. And uh, we also did trivia on the flight, Seahawks trivia. Um, that was a thing that happened. They got free drink tickets. So, yes, give the rowdy people booze. That makes things better. No, it won't. Um, and so that was my experience on a plane recently that was terrible. And all I could think about, because I was trying to be positive, was that, like, oh, man, why? I wonder how much it would cost for them to put a footrest on these darn seats because I have short feet, and that would be convenient for me. What do you think, Tim? How much would it cost? <laughs> You need to go for a little longer. I mean, we can you, you can monologue on this. You can kvetch as long as you need to. Um, <laughs> it was a really difficult experience for someone like myself. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't a little apartment in the sky, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, I, uh, there's you... you have highs and you have lows when it comes to air travel, right? <laughs> Literally, because you take off. And you land, and you go like a mile in the sky. It's funny. It's a joke. Laugh at it. Uh-huh. I, I would... Uh, no, that was good. That was enough laughter, I think. Um, do, do you... Do, are you talking about one of those, like, you know, the kind that are on, like, a coach bus or something? Like, this little fold-down metal thing? As far as a foot... Yeah, foot pretty much. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, that's all I'm asking for. As a, as a, a, a height-advantaged American... Um, I have always kind of felt like... Thank you for using the politically correct term. That's important. Our, our words matter, Catherine. Um, I've always sort of, like, wondered what's up with those because it's just, like, I don't know. Like, I, I flip them up and down all the time because I'm a fidgeter. Um, and I'm like, maybe I want to sit this way or that way. Or, you know, I, I just, like, I need something new. Uh, but they're not, like, useful at all to me. Uh, and I've always found them, like... I, I guess they are another thing that is not quite right with the world. Um, they're like one of these, let like... Me, let I, me... Sort of... Let me finish this. I, I can... Sorry. Let me finish, sir. Um, yeah, I... I don't know. Now I'm distracted. I'm distracted by your argument, and I, I think I just want to apologize well, to you. let me you allow forward. you... Let me give you some insight into my world and what it is to, me a ver- to be a vertically disadvantaged American. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, I'm... I have an average size torso, but why I'm short is because my shins are, are smaller than the rest of me. Um, I have done the measurements. I am sure that this is the case. Um, that is the first thing that everybody asks me is like, what? Are you sure? That doesn't seem right. It's no, right. I have a lot of, uh, I know a lot of people who, who know this about themselves. They know whether their legs are longer or their torso is longer or what's going on. Mm-hmm. I don't know this about myself. I suppose I should try to figure it out. Somewhere. Know thyself, Tim. No. Anyhow, I, no, that's so my answer. what happens no. is 
my legs typically aren't really long enough to reach the floor, mm. but like, I don't know, they're, they're, it's kind of an awkward distance. So what happens is I, I constantly feel like I'm fall, when I, whenever I sit down on any normal size seat, I constantly feel like I'm about to fall off the seat. <laughs> because like gravity is pulling me down because my feet don't quite touch the floor and my ah, everything's slanted and it's it's really uncomfortable and a little footrest just it makes a world of difference. I could see that. Um so you are you are you saying that the seats lean forward though? No, I I lean forward because my feet are gravity is pulling my feet towards the floor which uh-huh. pulls the rest of my body forward. Have you ever done a free body diagram? You know what I'm talking about? I could do one for you. I could. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a free body diagram is where you, uh, you, you draw the object and then you draw all the forces on the object to decide what's going to happen. And it seems like uh, if the seat doesn't lean you forward, then your uh, the force of you uh, resting into the seat should exactly counteract, or the force of the seat pushing you up should exactly counteract the force of gravity pulling you down. And then, in the case no, of your legs... my center of gravity in a different... Like, my center of gravity is too low, basically. Ma'am, are you suggesting to me that your center of gravity is below your knees? Yeah, I have been <laughs> suggesting that for years now. Just hinting at it. <laughs> Just like, uh, boy, that's uh, pretty heavy on the knees, huh? I, I can't believe all the signs <laughs> I've missed. I don't think it's really nice for you to criticize my weight, especially my weight distribution. <laughs> You're, I mean, you're the one bringing it up. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I would think it would be. I could see how we get old, but isn't it kind of fun to like? I remember being a kid and like you got to swing your legs a lot. Swinging your legs is fun, isn't that fun? Not fun. No, because it doesn't. First of all, you can't do that and look and have the rest of the world take you seriously. I, I dare you to try you need it. The rest of the world to take you seriously. Um, because I would like to have a conversation with the person next to me or I don't want the person in front of me to be mad because I'm kicking their seat or I'm just trying to be a normal human being who's making her way through life and it's harder than it looks. <laughs> it's true. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm amazed though that you want to have a conversation with the person next to you. I don't hate that. Like I, you know, it's, it's nice, but like most people are uh, looking to not have that happen. And honestly, most of the time, yeah, I, I just kind of like having my headphones in. Is, is this a, uh, I, a I'm totally, thing for you? I'm open, I am open to the world. That's mm-hmm. my philosophy. I you know see. what? If you want to have a conversation with me, let's have this conversation. I will live in your framework for however long this flight is. That's how this podcast started. Um, <laughs> plane cast. <laughs> Boy, there's, there's one for you. Just like whenever you sit down and be like, hey, you want to do this podcast with me? Just pull out your recorder. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Oh, man. It's very aggressive, very open to the world. Aggressively so. Aggressively open to the world. It's it's not so much being open to the world, but it's being a vacuum and sucking the rest of the world <laughs> into yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's a podcast for you. <laughs> um, so, I mean, with regard to your neighbors, though, uh, you know, as we know, uh, seat sizes have gotten smaller and smaller in airlines over the years uh, to make those economies of scale work. Um uh, do you ever like have a, a seat uh, enemy? You're, are you just like, oh, he's taking the elbow space. I can't believe it's this. It's always a guy. Every yeah. single time. It's always a middle-aged guy who's like, well, I'm a middle-aged man. Both seat, ar- both armrests are mine. Settling in. 
Well, the rule Settling is though. In. The rule is though, right? The middle seat gets both. I feel like because they're so disadvantaged. Is it really? Way. Yeah, I think so. I think I think. Mm. Well, because think about it. You know, the the farthest right seat is. It, it, we're talking about a three seater, right? The farthest right seat is obviously for the right. The farthest left. I'm sorry. The farthest right armrest is obviously for the right person, and the farthest left armrest is obviously for the left person. The middle. Okay, that's negotiable. One person gets two, and everyone else has to get with one, right? Because as we learned, there are. When you have three seats, there are uh, four borders because there's ones on the outsides in this case. See, the yeah, rule is yeah. So it's plus two this time. Different yeah. rules. Different rules. It depends. Oh, Make a um, flowchart for borders. That's what we need. <laughs> People love flowcharts. It's true. Um, so who gets the extra armrest, right? Well, uh, if you're, uh, you know, uh, if you if you lean socialist as I do, um, you say, well, the, those with the greatest need for comfort shall have the greatest comfort, and you let the middle person take both, because they they have so little, Catherine. They have so little as it is. Mm, that's that's true. That's a pretty poignant argument. Um, I don't know. It's always been the wild west in my experience. I feel like I should cue up some Sarah McLaughlin. Um, first, first man usually to the armrest gets the armrest for the duration of the flight. Mm, so why don't you just take it? Why don't why don't you uh, why don't you assert yourself? Lean in, lean into the armrest, lean into the shoulder of the other person. Drill in there grab until it's some sore. gum, and they're gonna be boarding for a while. So I'll just board later. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I'm a late boarder as well. I'm just like the plane's yeah. not going anywhere. I can just get on whenever the hell I want. Exactly. <laughs> Ah, uh, well, I guess that's that's what makes us, uh, I got nothing. I got nothing. Rebels? I'm going nowhere. Do you want to say Rebels right now? Yeah, Rebels. Sure. Sure. <laughs> uh, all right. You got anything else on airplane seats? Did you, uh, any um, other features that you'd like? Uh, how about tray tables? Bring back footrests. Bring back footrests. So it would be just like a lower tray table, right? Yeah. Essentially. Basically, yeah. It doesn't even need to have that much material. It would be so cheap, Tim. So cheap. <laughs> but you know, as they make the foot, as they make the uh, seats smaller, they have to have more seats, which means that every change you make has uh, an incremental effect, um, exponential effect. I don't know. It just seems uh, seems like you're not thinking of the. Maybe poor, just don't make the element. seats any smaller. How about that? How about we just agree that this is the size that seats should be? Well, so this and, is, it, uh, I mean, this is interesting though, right? So like that's a response to economic drivers, right? Is that we've gotten so used to, and our country's so big, uh, we've gotten so used to being able to go anywhere within, you know, half a day. Uh, you know, even even a global flight, like, yeah, you're probably not looking at more than a 12-hour flight. There are some, but, you know. Um, and so because we've demanded that, or we've gotten used to that being acceptable, uh, we're willing to, you know, uh, we think it should be cheap, um, you know, as long as you're not flying first class. And... Uh, I think uh, they just have to find a way to respond to that because they can't make they can't make it work. They can't give us the flights that we are desperately asking for unless they. I mean, they're working so hard, Catherine, and I don't know. I just feel like we don't give them enough credit. Like, really? Mm. You're you're saying that we don't give airlines enough credit? No, I don't really care. But um, they're like number one on consumer dissatisfaction surveys. Number one or number two? It's like cable companies and airlines, and I can't remember one who's one and who's two. Well, you know, it's both are like pseudo monopolies, right? I mean, uh, the cable companies—it's got to be cable companies. Time Warner's the worst. Um, Comcast too—all terrible. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, so mad! I'm mad right now. I don't even subscribe to those services. Um, I know, but, I know, it's hard. But but uh, you know, the, 
the reason they can be so terrible is there's not a lot of other options uh, for communications. And then, you know, uh, the deal with most airlines is they're, they're, the legacy airlines are supported by um, certain uh, government subsidies. And so they've kind of, you know, they're, they're in that kind of too big to fail camp almost. So I don't know that mm -hmm. they necessarily have to offer you uh, as, much, as much service as you'd like. And also, like, well, I think I don't know. I think if any industry gets too fat and happy, it's it's ripe for a fall. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but but if it's gonna fall, how do we get places? Right? This is why we support it, uh, perhaps no, to our detriment. In the sense that, like, you can get a young and hungry airline to really make some waves for realsies. You've got your Southwests, your your Jets Blue, um, your Virgins, um, mm -hmm. uh, any number of them. Um, but, Have you seen the Virgin safety video? Oh my God, the Virgin safety video! It's crazy, right? You no, know, I like. I'll. I don't know. Like, it's too long, and so Very after long, the first time, long. I was like, "Wow, this is a well-made video." But and every time after that, like halfway through, I was like, mm, it's "Still going on." But even at the end yeah. of it, I'm still like, "That was fun." Like, I just think it's a fun. <laughs> I think it's a fun video. I don't know. It's, it's cheesy <laughs> and dumb, but like. <laughs> Yeah, young and hungry airlines. That's my point. Yeah, Virgin's pretty. I don't know. You know, a lot of those ways those airlines save money though is by flying into cheaper airports. So really? I don't know that it's is, like a is SFO SFO is Virgin headquarters, right? Or is it LA? Uh, they have a large terminal presence in Terminal Two and SFO, um, and it's probably okay. not a cheaper airport, but it is a big hub. So maybe that's why they do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know Virgin's strategy. I know I know JetBlue and Southwest both fly into sometimes the cheaper airports. Yeah. Hmm, that's cool. Yeah, it's all right. Well, this has been uh, Plane Talk with Tim and Catherine talking about planes. And plane stuff. Just, just things that, old... you know, don't have a lot of accoutrement. Yeah, just good old folks. Uh, planes <laughs> like vanilla ice cream. Do you think that counts as a plane? I don't know. A vanilla ice cream? I think so. Did I tell you one time I went on a date? Catherine, with this we are guy so close. The music's fading in. He or we went to listen. Like, this was the Dubuffet podcast. We'll see you next so week. Much. Bye.